<laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, man. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this time. I pray, Lord God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, I recognize you as my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And it's a, it's a blessed day. <laughs> um, you know, this word that came to me, probably, a, um, I want to say the really the, the clarity in the word came to me yesterday. And I came this morning to prayer, and pastor just said the key word there, response. <laughs> That's the theme of today's message. God is calling, and he wants your response. The great thing about it, you know, it's, of course, being a good word, <laughs> is that. He really wants your response. He really, really wants your response. Uh, I want to start out my, what I'm going to read out is uh, my base scripture is going to be 1 Samuel 3. 1 Samuel 3 starting at verse 1. So I'm going to get there as well. I'm going to erase the media. All right, everybody there say amen. 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 So it starts out saying, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. And while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went down and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the word, excuse me, that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So right here. We see faith in action with the story of Samuel because um, he could have did one or two things. He could have put his faith. We know, uh, by the way, faith, for those who may not know online as well, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, <laughs> so um, Father God, he couldn't see him physically. Eli, he also, you know, as you could see in the word, if you caught what I was saying, he referred to him as son on numerous occasions. So he saw him as father as well. So he could have easily dismissed God and, and said immediately just uh, presumed Eli was calling him and said, no, nah, you playing. You called me. <laughs> but no, he actually, you know, used faith and uh, said, you know what? This man wouldn't lie to me. You know, if, if he really didn't say that, I'm going to go back to sleep. I'm going to lay down and uh, I'm going to obey his next instruction. So he laid down, came back again. <laughs> And as we could see, 
he followed through the instruction and he had his faith in action and he again obeyed God. So right there we see with faith being in action, we know that faith, it being the substance of things hoped for and also being the evidence of things not seen, he took that evidence. He could easily uh, took the physical evidence, but he dismissed that and instead kept his mind in the spirit. I want you guys to also notice um, not only that Samuel being uh, a man, excuse me, at that time a boy, but if you're watching this online, if you're in the crowd right now, know that God can use you at any age. And it doesn't matter. He doesn't have an age limit on when he can use you. <clears throat> so don't let anybody tell you, hey, God's not using you. You're just messing around. Always follow God. If God, if you even sense that, whatever age you are, always follow God. So right here, we see three times. The first time, I want to go back and reference those three times that God called Saul, uh, Samuel. First time you could think, okay, this is something I, if you're calling your child, if you're calling somebody, if you play sports or anything, you're calling somebody, hey, hey, over here. You call them one time, you want to tell them something. It's something you want to say. You call them a second time, in your mind, you're probably thinking like me, maybe they didn't hear me. Let me call them a second time. Hey, over here. You call them a second time. They still don't hear you. Third time, you're thinking, okay. You could make one or two decisions. You could say, you know what? I'm going to just leave it be. <laughs> I'm going to go about my business. But, or you can say, you know what? I really want to say what I need to say to this person. So I'm going to take another measure and do it a third time and say, hey, over here. So in saying that third time, that's what Father God is saying. Sometimes he calls us. And um, I know for me, he <laughs> was called me. <laughs> I wasn't always dapper down. <laughs> the brother Jonathan, you see. <laughs> it took a... <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, mother, mother had to call me. Grandmother had to call me. <laughs> Eventually, the Lord got to me. And, um, you know, like any, well, I won't say any, but a lot of teenagers, uh, 13, I'm looking at media, I'm looking at things, and, you know, trying to find out, you know, how to be a man, how to, how to walk, you know, how to uh, look to things, how to aspire to what I see, what I see people my age is doing. So, um, just to make a long story short, I decided to, <laughs> back then I you know, had the house phone, didn't have a cell phone, and I'm going and I had a buddy of mine, he's a couple years older, about 16 or so, and I'm looking up to him. You know, he's kind of has living the life that I'm thinking from what I see on television is what I should aspire to be, <laughs> aspire to do. And, we get a plan together. I met a running track and such, and we get a plan together. We're gonna meet up one day, and um, at back then it was a tangerine car wash, if anybody's familiar. So we get that plan together, and <laughs> I'm not gonna to say too much about <laughs> about that, but I say, hey, uh, we gonna meet up at this time. I call, you call me, I call you. So I couldn't call, but I'm, see, I had a grandma, she watched everything I did. <laughs> I had a mother who told her, hey, when I'm gone, make sure you keep 
four eyes on him. <laughs> I was, uh, wasn't really, you know, I was, I was pretty rambunctious, but um, <laughs> I always, you know, the same jovial nature you see now is what I had back then, but I was always getting into some kind of something. <laughs> and uh, in this situation, I decided to, I said, you know what, since I can't get to the phone, I know Buddy's going to call me. So he calls, I'm, I'm watching that phone, watching the house phone. <laughs> okay. I'm watching that house phone. So he calls, I, I pick up. Hey, all right, all right. So I, I see my grandma, she's getting situated. Hey, grandma, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, take my bike out real quick. You know? And, you know, she, <laughs> she's kind of grandma is like, you know, you can't go out that yard. <laughs> you play anywhere inside of that yard, you can't go out the yard. So I decided to uh, <laughs> get silly. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. <laughs> I, pulled, I pulled the fool card. <laughs> and uh, we met up. And long story short, you know, the idea was to uh, see girls and such and, you know, get did that. And I ended up going... Went to the girl's house, and next thing you know, uh, dad comes in, comes up, and um, she's like, Daddy, come like, right, we run, I'm running through the window. Next thing you know, <laughs> I'm trying to get to the fence. I said, I'm trying to get there. My shirt rips off. <laughs> she tossed, tossed one of the dads. She's like, Oh, man, I'm running, I'm running. I said, Where to do that? He left me. <laughs> But I say that to say, um, if you do things in your own strength, <laughs> you're going to get left. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> and I couldn't tell by people who I was. I had to just... I'm way back. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't a pretty ending, of course. That part I want to talk about. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I say that to say, you know, that's, that can be the dire situation if you don't follow the things of God. Uh, thankfully, we're in the right, you know, right place and we're in him and we have him to rely on. Yes, <laughs> praise the Lord. So we're saying that with faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We know our faith goes from different levels, from level to level, faith to faith. And we build that through experience. Faith can be interchanged with the word confidence, both are synonyms. And with that, you know, our confidence is built up. And it's one thing to have confidence, and it's another thing to not have it. <laughs> you know, when you're not confident, your head is down, you know, you kind of, just walk this way and this and that. You know, I've seen it. I've been in this situation, and it's not, it's not a good feeling. <laughs> you know, one thing, especially um, uh, just being in a relationship, you know, uh, man, either woman, they don't want, a woman doesn't want a million miles man, and <laughs> a man doesn't want a, a woman. <laughs> a man doesn't want a, a woman who can't really, you know, isn't really confident in what she does. And I bring that up because we're in relationship with Christ. And it's not religion. 
And what we're going to see further in this uh, story of Samuel is the relationship between him and Christ. So we see here that <laughs> this really got me when I read it. He didn't even know God. He didn't know God. So just imagine you are um, in a friendship, a business relationship where you don't even know that person. You don't know your business partner. You don't even know your friend, but you call that person your friend. So it's something there that, um, that caused that to happen and situation to happen. In this case, Samuel was under the tutelage of Eli, and he was in his temple. And in the temple, he knew that Eli served, excuse me, that Eli served God. What uh, Samuel didn't realize is that, you know, what, what's the deeper meaning of this? You know, what's the deeper purpose of this? But what happened here, when God called, excuse me, when God called Samuel, that's when Eli realized that, you know what? He perceived. The word said, I want us to go also to 1 Samuel. Still in 1 Samuel 3. I believe, yes, thank you. Verse 8. And in verse 8, you'll see here, I'm going to read it here. It says, and the Lord called Samuel again in the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. At verse 9, it continues to say, therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be. If he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood, excuse me. Now the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. So right then, he's speaking, a Lord is, is speaking to him adamantly. And when he says that, Samuel uh, obeys apparently when he says, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And the news that Samuel was told was not news that <laughs> it was, I'll put it like this, it, it's not a news that you would share to the world immediately after hearing it. So... <laughs> We go further, and it says on verse 15, I want us to go to verse 15. Just to jump to verse 15, it says, So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Um, I want to also note that this was his uh, first prophecy, because this was, and it's also highlighted by the scriptures, his first prophecy. Uh, when we're called into the things of God, when we're using the gifts, that God has, give, that get, has given us, you know, sometimes we'll come into a situation, we'll call it adversity, call it challenges. We'll, we'll come into those situations where, you know, we may not want to deliver <laughs> or do, you know, what it is that God wants us to do. It's not a good feeling. I've been there. <laughs> I know without a shadow that I'm called to teach. I know that. I just know I know. <laughs> and I've been in situations where I have to uh, either discipline you know, whether it be a child or whether I'm teaching somebody, um, one thing the Lord revealed to me is that even as a young, young boy, I've been teaching. I've been teaching. Whether it be friends, whether it be anybody, I've been teaching. And it's been times, time and time again where I had to deliver news that I didn't want to do. <laughs> so I had to make a decision, you know, should I say this at the sacrifice of, you know, things being okay and such and such, but, or should I not say this and, uh, you know, that relationship from the outside looking in is okay, but from the inside looking out, I may feel rotten. <laughs> I may feel terrible about it, 
And, you know, Samuel is at this place right now. Notice it said he had to lay down and wait till morning. <laughs> in other translations, it says he woke up early in the morning. And he woke up early in the morning and, you know, when approached, when he approached Eli about it, Eli, of course, was like, hey, son, tell me everything. You don't, don't, don't lay any, leave anything on the table. Tell me everything. Matter of fact, we can look at verse uh, 6, 17. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God, do so to you and more also. If you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you, then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So I just want to also give a backdrop on Eli. So Eli, just to put it this way, yes, he was a priest. And yes, he served God faithfully. At the same time, he had two sons. He had two uh, biological sons, his own seeds, Hophni and Phinehas. Phinehas. And these two sons, they did wicked things in the sight of the Lord. Um, like a father should, he didn't restrain them. So he, as a father, he could have had opportunity to speak things to them, to rebuke early on. But he rebuked later on, and of course they didn't. <laughs> they didn't accept it, and uh, we, we <laughs> yeah, and he didn't do so. So a part of that word was that his two sons would be killed, and also the rest of the, his lineage, the lineage, would be killed as well. So the thing about God, and I want to say, is that he was God is, is a merciful God. He gave an opportunity for them to get it right. But they chose not to. And uh, maybe that's a warning for somebody who's watching that, you know, it's, it's the time to get it right. And, uh, you know, even with your gifts, you know, the Bible says the gifts are what you're called to do in terms of gifts are without repentance. So move and move and operate in your gifts. In this case, we're looking at the giftings and the calling of uh, Samuel. So we see here. That when he uh, obeyed God, when he spoke to Eli, everything that was needed to be shared, it was then that God then later on established him. So you'll see in verse, I want to say, verse 19, between verse 19 and 20, at verse 20, it says, And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that, excuse me, that knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. So I felt the need to say that sooner than later because it's a great, um, how do I say this? It's a great, yeah, I would say reward because being established is a reward. Yeah. If you look at, yeah. You look at business, when your company's established, you know, they're, they're not only, you know, thriving or, or intended to be successful year to year, but many years down the line. What I understand, I believe, is about after 20 years, generally you're speaking, you're, you're co your company's established. So this case, um, Samuel, not going through by man's way of doing things, but in a supernatural way, you know, he grew up with the Lord. And in growing up with the Lord, he became established. So that's right there is a reward when you operate in the kingdom of God. Because um, in general speaking, is 
speak it like in business, because that's what I relate to, is that there's two businesses. So the business of the kingdom of light and the business of the kingdom of darkness. And choosing which business you choose is based on who's, which faith, where you put your faith in. Just like where you put your money in. Because uh, faith is uh, pretty much the supernatural currency. So, because God wants an investment, right? Yeah, so he wants to return on his investment. Just like any good king or any good leader, they put their soldiers out there, they equip them. You know, they're not just putting it on there, they, they want, they're seeking something in return. The great thing about God is he first loved us before he put it on us. So he gave up his only begotten son. And uh, that's the great thing about, you know, being in this kingdom of light. So here we see also that God really wants our response. So, you know, how are we going to respond to what God is sharing with us, what God is imparting to us when it comes to his word? You know, we've heard it from uh, our man of God. We've heard it from different teachings, uh, teachings that the Lord may have led us to of how, you know, things that really spoke to us and those things that speak to us, they're going to require us to do some kind of action of faith. And uh, that's really what God wants to, he really wants to pull that out of you. Because he wants to not only, he doesn't want to leave you on a level. He wants you to move, move, move. You know, it's a motto I say with uh, the men's group. I say, no stress, proceed, progress. Because <laughs> uh, you, if you ever get in a uh, situation, as I said, that adversity where you feel like, you know, it's stressful, you know, I can't push through this calling. I can't push or get through this situation. That's probably where you need to just take a step back and reflect. Because that's, I can only speak from my own experience. This is how I get through things. This is how I, I don't stress. That's one, that's one, that's probably a pet peeve of mine is stress. You, if you've seen me about 10 times or nine times out of 10, I got a smile on my face. Because uh, stress, I, I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. And um, how I do away with that is I look back on my experiences. I look back on things I did as a boy. I look back on things that I did at each level. Because at each level, even at times where I think I didn't know God, I had some kind of knowing inside of me of right or wrong. And that's what kept me. So that's what I would do because it, it builds you. It builds, like I said, confidence and faith are interchangeable. Your confidence is building up. You look at any fighter, any athlete, they look back at their film. They look back at things they did right. They look back at things they did wrong. So you look back at what's wrong. Um, I can just speak from the element with boxing. In boxing, you use your whole body, and you need your legs. So think about faith as your legs, because faith without works is dead. If I were to stand here, I put this punch out. It's not getting the full effect. Watch when I move my leg. I had this punch out. So you see how much more distance I have when I move my leg. That's what it is with faith. When you move by faith, you not only just get what you see in the natural, but let that supernatural push on you and you get a little extra. <laughs> so that, <laughs> praise the Lord. But that's, <laughs> trust me, it, it, I feel it. I felt it. <laughs> it dealt, it, 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 you, it's a difference. It's a difference. And God wants us to know that difference. He wants us to know that, hey, I, I gave you something. 
We have natural resources. We have these supernatural resources. But this supernatural resource of faith I gave to you to use. And uh, he wants us to, to pull on it and apply it and use it. Um, I just had this you know, mindset where I can't leave anything on the table. Anything good, I'm taking it. <laughs> yeah, you have, might as well. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You know, even in, um, in school, you know, even in school, you know, it was times where you see, you know, you see the front, the front desk not filled up. I'm walking in. I'm the kind of person I'm looking in. You know, first I, I said, you know, I was, I was shy, but then I, I, I broke out of that and I, I came in. I said, you know what? These first desks not filled up. I got to get in there. I got to fill it up, right? <laughs> That's how we should be with our mindset when walking with God. When you know God has called you in a certain class, you know, this the top class, top shelf. He put you at the top shelf. You got to get in there. You got to walk it out. <laughs> you have to. Because uh, if you don't walk it out, then either that desk, that, excuse me, that area will be empty where you need to be or somebody else will fill it. And at times, that somebody else who will fill it will be somebody who is uh, not going to be there long. But because we know the wicked, when I say not, not going to be there long, I'm referring to the wicked. And uh, when they're not going to be there long, why not you, right? Why not you? You may be saying, oh, somebody said, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm not confident enough. I, I'm not, you know, this or that or that or this, that or this. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. Just walk up, watch your head like I've told other people. Other people have told me. Walk up, you have to just know. You have to have your head up high. You know, pray. Pray to your God. Our God is in Jesus Christ. And you have to walk in fearless. And the reason I'm talking to you like this is because we have to do that. Because other people, you know, I won't say other relationship because a relationship is with a living person. You can't be in a relationship with a, with a non-living person, right? They can't talk back. <laughs> so other, um, how do I say this? Other studies, other gods, yeah. Other gods, they can't talk back. And, but yet you see how fervent they are. I've seen videos how fervent they are. And they're, you know, speaking to uh, Christians. And sometimes Christians didn't know what to say. I said, I said, I would not be that Christian. <laughs> I would not be that Christian. I said, I would know what to say. But I would know what to say in truth by the word. Not by intellect. Not by learned words, but by what the word of God says. Because uh, God needs these pure voices. So as Samuel, he's a pure, clean voice. And we see that here. As someone who, when operating what God has called him to do, even when fear came, he still said, you know what? I'm being transparent. I'm afraid. But I'm going to push through. So he pushed through it. And uh, that's what we must do. When we push through and progress using our supernatural resource of faith, God is going to push us through to where he wants us to be. And those things we may have had our mind on, things we didn't want to let go, the things that were seemed to be clinging to us, those dead weights, you're going to realize how, man, you know, I didn't, I didn't even realize how easily they, they escaped off of me. They fell off. <laughs> those things used to harp on like, oh, man, I got to do this, got to do that. You know, it's going to be so seamless. You know, things that are, uh, are uh, needful to advance. I know one thing that in, in faith is uh, fasting. That's very, very needful, very needful. 
And for me, that's, I can't do without it. <laughs> I can't do without it. It's, it's so good because, one, it gives you clarity, and it's like, uh, like filtering out a car because it's, it's so needful and so such a necessity when it comes to fasting. And we see it. The reason I'm bringing it up because I want to lead us into our next, our next point of scripture that, uh, that pastor so <laughs> gracefully brought us to this morning. And that's going to be in second, uh, excuse me, second Chronicles. And it talks about the story with Jehoshaphat. I want to show you guys uh, the power you have. So Second Chronicles 20 and verse 21, I'll start there. It says, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Verse 22, we can continue. It said, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Who had come against Judah and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So verse 24 here, it says, So when Judah, Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were, excuse me, and there were their dead bodies falling on the earth. No one had escaped. So God, your enemies and anything that's, that may be intimidating towards you, it could be your enemies could be tormenting thoughts, you know, tormenting imaginations. You know, those enemies, you'll see them dissipate completely away from you. <laughs> and you can have that no stress mindset. You can just move. <laughs> you can just move. And um, what, what I wanted to see with fasting too, they, had, they fasted. So before going on to this, Jehoshaphat, he actually called a fast. It says here, we can go to verse, I want to say verse 3. I want you guys to also see what the story of Samuel and this story has in common. You see, they both had to deal with fear at first at the onset. It says, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? And gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever. So what he's doing right there, he's reflecting back on all of things that God has done for him. The way God has delivered his people. So that's what, that's, if you listen to earlier what I said about having, when you have time to reflect back. So you can build that confidence up. So that's what we have to do. The memory of the righteous, the word said, is blessed. Blessed to take account on all the past things of faith. Yes. So that's what we have to keep in mind. When we are facing situations, any trials, you know, think back on all those winning times you had. <laughs> those times where you, you just, you were winning. <laughs> it's winning, winning. And that's the great thing about, you know, with Father God, he's a God who only knows winning. Yeah. 
That's right. You know, and that's uh, and why why I smile because he. <laughs> talk about God it's hard to <laughs> hard not to <laughs> and uh, when we see this you know I can only, I can relate to you know what I'm called to do with teaching is that when I'm faced with situations of discipline disciplinary action I tell my kids I don't like giving warnings <laughs> I don't like it but I need I do it because I love you I have to I, I don't like giving detentions but I have to <laughs> If I don't tell you, you know, what you're doing wrong, then, you know, years down the line, you're going to look back and say, you know what? At that time, he may have been a fun teacher, cool teacher, but he didn't really, he didn't really care about me. He really helped me. And uh, that's why I like, you know, even with, um, you know, in faith, you know, with uh, pastors and such, I'm like, you know what? You know, Correcting me. You know, man of God, he cares about me. <laughs> you got a heart of God. He tells me what, you know, what it is and what it's not, right? So that's, that's what we need to know. That's what we need to look for, too, because it makes things so easy, you know, so seamless to you go from your career life and your, you know, spiritual life. They'll be so seamlessly that you'll realize how they're all connected in this one stream. So that's, like I said, I can only speak to you <laughs> how he speaks to me with it. And um, as I said before, in looking at Second Chronicles here, we can see how these two stories so interchangeably relate when it comes to how they had to deal with fear and how, at the same time, how it's important for us. <laughs> my, uh, one of my last scriptures here, <laughs> uh, as the pastor alluded to it earlier, about how we must not cast away our fearless confidence. So that same confidence at the beginning, that confidence that Eli had when he was running, excuse me, that Samuel had when he was running to his father, running, running, running. I mean, the first, that first, uh, Scripture said he was running hard. <laughs> it said he ran. He didn't just walk. He ran. So that showed you the confidence, confidence that he had in Eli. What I want you guys to see uh, while I'm up here is that the confidence he had in Eli when he ran and the confidence that, you know, that same confidence that we had when we first got saved and with the Holy Spirit in us compared to back then when the... Uh, the word was so precious. It's still precious now. Uh, but I, the reason I'm bringing that up is because only a few people, you know, were able to speak that word. Prophets and such possessed that word and knew the preciousness of it. Compared to now, we actually have the Holy Spirit. We have the it. <laughs> we have the who, excuse me. And uh, with that, we have him every day to speak to us. <laughs> so how much more? How much more? <laughs> and that's the great thing about it is that we have... Uh, the supernatural resource of the Holy Spirit inside of us. He can call us every day. Jonathan, Jonathan, put your name in it. <laughs> I got great things for you. Don't cast away your fearless confidence. <laughs> Matter of fact, can we go to Hebrews 10, verse 35? I'm going to hold you open much, much longer. Everybody's there, say amen. Amen. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. So I think that's plain enough right there. Your confidence has great reward. Not only, they could have just said reward. Your confidence has reward, but it said great reward. <laughs> I 
I mean, that, that raises my eyebrows right there. <laughs> so we're saying that reward is, is, is so great to know that, you know, when we're serving God, you know, with that same confidence, that, that same fervency, you know, with that, when I think about that same confidence, it helps me with, um, I know we spent some time with stewardship. It really helps with stewardship too, you know, really doing those things that day-to-day -day duties, work duties, it really makes, it's like a fine-tuned machine. That machine can move more properly if, it's, if everything is, is clicking on all cylinders the way it should go. If one cylinder, just think about it like this, if one cylinder was off, where it's like, ah, oh, this one cylinder decided not to turn as much today compared to yesterday, that can make all the difference. So in thinking about that, it makes it so much simpler to <clears throat> move into things of God and keep pushing towards that expected end. So we see here that uh, I wanted to compare this scripture to the scripture with uh, in the first Samuel. We can go there quickly. First uh, Samuel 319. So it says, Samuel grew, the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. So in keeping his confidence uh, and knowing that the Lord was with him, the uh, Father God, at the same time, he didn't let any of the words in terms of his prophecy and such, and according to his calling, fall to the ground. So anything you do, the Lord is going to see you through. Yeah. He has your best interests. <laughs> but uh, I want to leave you with this, and if you can repeat after me. Uh, no stress. No stress. Proceed. Proceed. Progress. Progress. Amen. Big hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Come on, give God a big praise tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God is calling every one of us. We have to respond, right? Respond to his call. Every person you see in scripture, God called them and they had a choice to respond or not. Moses saw a burning bush. He could have simply walked away. Abraham heard God. He could have simply chosen something else. But when they responded, God used them and did great and mighty things in their lives. Amen? Amen. Saul heard God. Right? Fell off that beast. He responded properly and God used them. Amen? And we're here today. Amen. Continue standing and receive Minister Barbara Odom as she comes with the word of God for tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm grateful for this opportunity to minister the word tonight. We're going to be looking at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 24 through 27 in the Amplified Bible. I have two scriptures that I want to kind of use as our foundation tonight. While you guys are turning to the scripture, I'm going to pray. Father God, we just come to you tonight just giving you praise, giving you glory, giving you honor. Just thanking you and blessing you for all of your goodness, for all of your faithfulness. Thanking you, Father, for the privilege of being able to come into your presence, Lord. And so we thank you, God, that even as your word declares that where two or three are gathered together in your name, that you are here in our midst. And so we welcome you to move. We welcome you to speak. And we ask that you open our eyes and our ears, Lord, that we can hear and see what you desire to say to us and show us tonight. And I yield myself as a vessel and ask, Father, that you will allow your revelation to flow, allow your rivers of 
living water to flow and bring refreshment to our souls in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So we're going to start in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and it says, do you, oh, I'm sorry, 29, 24 through 27, and I'm, I'm in the Amplified Bible. It says, do you not know that in a race, all runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Now, every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wreath that will soon wither. But we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. But like a boxer, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. And so we want to tie that scripture together with 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 in the New King James. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. New King James. And it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all, to all who have loved his appearing. And so our topic tonight that we're going to be discussing is finish your course finish your course you know several times throughout scripture the bible refers to our lives as a race in hebrews 12 1 the bible admonishes us to run with endurance the race that is marked out for you in galatians 5 7 paul says to the the church at galatia he says you were running well but what hindered you and Philippians 3, I think it's verse 13, Paul says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. And so several times throughout scripture, we see particularly Paul is likening the life that we live to a race. And I believe that, you know, Paul did that because he wanted to kind of give us a picture of what is required in order to be successful in winning a race because there's a certain mindset that you have to have if you want to be a champion right if you want to win a race there's a certain mindset that we have to have and a lot of us we enjoy watching the race right I know I like a good race or a good competition or a good game right but have you ever thought about what is required in order to be able to compete at a high level. See, it's all fun and games when you're sitting on your couch <laughs> watching it on TV, right? But there's a level of 
discipline and sacrifice and commitment that is required if we want to be the champions that God has called us to be. And so that's what we want to talk about tonight is how can we be successful at finishing our race? You know, one thing about races is that when you go to run a race, the course is already set. The course is already marked out for you. When you go to run a race, you don't have to figure out where you're starting from. You don't have to figure out where you're going because somebody has already gone ahead of you and they've marked out a course that you are to follow. And the object of the race is at the very least, get from the start to the finish. Now, if you want to win, you got to get there first. <laughs> but at least to finish, you want to go from the starting line to the finish line. And in many cases, you know, they have markers along the way that direct you. I know I remember one time me and Coach Gigi, we, we ran at um, Whedon Island. Oh, my goodness. You know, that's not, they don't usually have races there. So it was, the terrain was crazy. It was like a, it was crazy. But they had to have markers because you could end up anywhere running in that park. If you don't know where you're going, you could, you could end up anywhere. And so they had to have the course marked out. And I just want to tell you today that, you know, God has marked out a course for each one of us. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 in the Amplified Bible. We're going to take a look at that. Ephesians 2, 10 in the Amplified. So listen. I don't, I don't have a lot of time, okay? So we're going to look at the screen, all right? <laughs> okay. It says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. And that tells us that God, our creator, when he created us, he had a predestined purpose and plan for your life and a predestined purpose and plan for my life. We see the same concept in Psalm 139, verse 16, and I'm reading from the uh, easy to read version and it says you watched my body grow there talking about in the womb in your book you wrote about all the days planned for me before any of them had happened and so when God created you he had something specific in mind for you he had a course in mind that he created for you to follow and there is a place where he wants to get you to that's why he was able to tell the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I called you to be a prophet to the nations. And so when God created us, there was something specific. There was a course. There was a path. There were some things that, are, that have been prearranged and made ready for you and for me before the foundation of this world. All right? And so even though... God has plans for you and I, you and me. And we know according to Jeremiah 29, 11, that those are good plans, right? Plans to prosper us, plans to give us a future, plans to give us a hope, plans to bring us to an expected end. I want you to know that you also have an adversary. 
And even though God has these wonderful plans for us, you have an adversary who is on assignment to keep you from ever figuring out that path that God has for you. And not only does he try to keep you from figuring it out, figuring out or getting on the path, but once you get on the path, he's going to do everything he can to get you off the path. And so that's why even many of us can think back to certain things in our life that we have experienced, right? We can think back to the parent that rejected us or the person who violated us or the person we lost or whatever it is. And even from, even as a child, the enemy has tried to use those things to keep you from ever walking out your purpose, to keep you from ever walking out your destiny, to keep you from ever finding the path that God has for you. And even once we get on that path and we're going strong, right every now and then he'll try to send something that will knock us off the path and so i've heard so many people say they use those things as an excuse not to serve god well i you know i don't serve god because you know this happened to me or you know how can god be real if i had to go through this or all and all these things and i totally can understand, you know, the frustration that you may have, but I want to uh, submit to someone who might be hesitant to serve God fully because of some things that they experienced that maybe your perspective needs to shift just a little bit. Because, you know, the first time I heard that argument, like Brother Jonathan said, it was on a YouTube video and the, and the girl was arguing with the Christian about why God is not real and all this stuff. And I and I sat and I listened to her and I said, well, what you're missing and the thing about God is that God can still use you in spite of those things. In spite of the fact that someone rejected you. In spite of the fact that you, you know, whatever thing happened to you. God can't. So those things don't disqualify you. And that's the good thing about God. That you don't have to. He doesn't throw you away because you had a challenge or a struggle. But he can use that very thing. Hallelujah. You are not disqualified because of what you experienced. You are not disqualified. Hallelujah. But God can still use you. And that's exactly what happened to Joseph. Y'all remember Joseph? There was a path. There was a plan. There was an expected end that God had purpose and plan for Joseph. But the enemy used his brothers to try to do what? To try to get him off that path. But Joseph was smart. Because when it was all said and done, and he had to face his brothers, he said, what you meant for evil, God used it for good, and now I can save you. So you're not disqualified. God can take what happened to you and what the enemy tried to use to get you off track. And God can take it and he can turn it into a testimony. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says, I am more than a conqueror. 
because a conqueror is somebody who overcomes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We want to always quote that scripture. Hallelujah. But when it comes to what you're really facing in your life, you want to use something as an excuse. But you got to remember that you are more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Somebody, somebody say that. I'm more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. So instead of being, instead of lamenting over the challenges that we've experienced or the losses that we've experienced, we want to make sure that we rejoice because in spite of what the enemy tried to do, I'm still qualified to be used by God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to look at some hardships, all right? Apostle Paul, he had, he went through some things. 2 Corinthians 11. We're going to look at verses 23 through 28. And I'm just reading from the... Um, New King James Bible, uh, New King James Version. Starting at verse 23, verse 11, and it says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak to you as, as a fool. I am, I am more, in labors more abundant, in, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among the false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and naked. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the church. So Paul has some opposition. Paul has some opposition. But it was him who said in 2 Timothy that even though I faced all these things, I still fought a good fight. I still kept the faith. I still finished my course. In spite of all that opposition. And so just like Paul, we have to be determined to finish the course that God has called us to, to, to finish. First of all, we have to understand that there is a course, that there is something that God has called us to, that there is something that God wants us to do. And then we have to be determined that whatever that is, we will finish it. And so we're going to talk about four keys to finishing your course. Four keys to finishing your course. So if we go back to our main text in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 in the Amplified Bible, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, 
but only one receives the prize. So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. If we jump down to verse 26, it says, therefore, I do not run uncertainly or without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. So the first key to finishing your course is we have to live purposefully. We have to live purposefully. So we have to, first of all, understand that we have a course. And then we have to seek God about what the course is. You know, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, he knew exactly what he was on this earth to do. There was no question in his mind about his purpose and his assignment. He knew when he came on the scene, he told them in the, uh, in the temple or in the synagogue exactly what he was called to do. And so as we look at the life of Jesus, let's actually, let's look at that because I want us to see. We're going to go to Luke, Luke chapter 4, quick, real quickly. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, I want us to jump down to verse 42 and 43. And it says, now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. Verse 43, but he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. And so Jesus had a clear understanding of why he was on this earth. And if we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, Everything he did served that purpose. You never see Jesus wasting time. As a matter of fact, when he had to go, he was going somewhere and he said, no, 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 no. I, I know there's another way to go. But he was so purposeful. He said, I got to go through Samaria because there is a, a woman there who needs me to minister to her. So he was very purposeful in everything that he did. And so we have to begin to look at our lives and we need to begin to eliminate anything that's not serving the purpose that God has called us to. We got to get focused, y'all. We got to be calculated in our decisions and calculated in what we do and calculated in how we move. And we got to make sure that everything we do is getting us, hallelujah, toward that goal, toward that prize, is keeping us on the path that God has for us. There's another verse in 1 Peter 1.18, and it says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers. In other words, what, what he's saying here is that we have been redeemed from what the Bible calls aimless conduct. 
the, the King James Version calls it vain conversations, right? And that word vain means useless, of no purpose, empty and profitless. And so we need to look at our lives and see, are we doing anything that's useless, has no purpose, that's empty or that's profitless? When I see, when I see profit, that, that word excites me. So I'm like, wait a minute now, what? wait. Do I have anything profitless in my life? Anything that's not benefiting me or benefiting those around me or benefiting the kingdom of God? We got to get rid of the aimless conduct. And we have to be, live purposefully. We have to live on purpose. We got to know why we're doing everything that we do. So we got to make sure that we get rid of the vain conversations the next thing we want to look at the next key to finishing your course is we need to focus on eternity we need to focus on eternity we go back to our main text in first corinthians 9 this time we're going to look at verse 25 and it says now every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things they do it to win a wreath that will soon wither. But we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. And so we want to remind ourselves that once we leave this earth, it's not over. And we have to remind ourselves that there's going to be a time and I know, you know, we're all, you know, young, spring chicken, you know, doing your thing, you know. But there's going to be a day when this is all over. And we are going to have to give an account to God, our creator, about what we did while we were here. So we want to make sure that we don't get so consumed with this earth down here. You know, the Bible talks so much about us being sojourners here you know in this earth so this is not our final destination this is not our final home and when we leave here we're going to have to give an account to God for everything that we've done there's a scripture in first Corinthians chapter 3 verses 13 through 15 and I'm in the amplified and it says the work of each one will become plainly openly known shown for what it is for the day of Christ will disclose and declare it because it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test and critically appraise the character and worth of the work each person has done if the work which any person has built on this foundation any product of his effort, whatever, survives this test, he will get his reward. But if any person's work is burned up under the test, he will suffer the loss of it all, losing his reward. Though he himself will be saved, but only as one who has passed through fire. And so that is saying a mouthful. And you know, pastor said, just make it in. And actually, if you read that in the CEV, that last line where it says, uh, but only as one who passed through fire, it says like someone escaping from flames. Wow. 
And so we are going to be rewarded in heaven based on what we've done here in the earth. Okay? So we want to understand why are we doing this? Why are we here? Why are we serving God? Why, why, you, why do you come here every Sunday? Why do you come here every Wednesday? Why are you ushering? Why are you preaching? Why are you doing this stuff? And the answer to that question is so that ultimately when you face your creator, he can say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And you get the well done when you finish your course. You get the well done when you do what he put you here to do. That's why Jesus, when he was on the cross, was able to say what? It is It is finished. So we're here because we want to hear him say well done. We want to do everything that he put us here to do. We want to finish our course. We want to fulfill that assignment. Um, so, but beyond that, there are rewards in heaven. You know, I didn't look, I didn't share it, put it on the here, but as I was looking at this, I was looking at all the different crowns that they have. You know, they have a crown of righteousness and a crown of life. And I don't know the other ones, but there are some more, right? So there are rewards when we get to heaven. So. My question to you is, what are you, what are you building? What are you working on? You know, this, in this verse here where it talks about uh, the work of each one will become plainly and openly shown, that word work is the word we know as ergon, which means business employment or that which anyone is occupied. So is whatever you're occupying yourself with, whatever that is, will it stand the test of the fire on that day? Will what you're doing right now follow you to eternity or will it be consumed in the fire? Because it says, it says that if it, if it doesn't stand, you lose your reward. I know we don't like to, we don't, we don't want to, I know we don't want to talk about this. But if it, if it doesn't stand the test, then you lose your reward. But if it does stand the test, you get your reward. And I think about so many people who are building on this earth. They're building empires. They're building businesses. They're building so many things. But, but the Bible said, what does it profit a man if you're building stuff that's going to burn in the last day? And it said, let's, let's look at what it says. It says he will suffer loss. In other words, you did all that hard work. You, 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 you had all those sleepless nights. You lied. You cheated. You stole. And now you're gone. And everything that you worked for, hallelujah, is gone. No, no eternal significance. 
It's in the church too. It's not just in the world. Because there's people in the church that's building their own empires. They're not building the kingdom of God. It's not going to stand. It's not going to stand. And so we want to make sure that we are occupied with things that are advancing God's kingdom. That we're occupied with things that are going to have an eternal impact even after we leave here. All right. So let's go to the next point. So we want to make sure that we are living purposefully. We want to make sure that we have our focus on eternity. And then the next one, we want to make sure that we run with endurance. We have to run with endurance. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1 in the Passion Translation, it says, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has been already marked out for us. So if we want to finish our course, we have to have endurance. Can't be short-winded. This, this verse refers to life as a marathon. It's not a hundred-yard dash. But it is a marathon. And if we're going to be successful... We have to be able to endure. Did I write the definition? I don't see it here. Oh, here it is. The definition for endure. Not swerved from his deliberate purpose by even the greatest trials and sufferings. So when we have endurance, that means that we are able to, number one, go the distance. Okay? That's the first thing. We have to be able to go the distance. But even beyond that, we have to be able to go through some things like, like Paul did. We cannot be swerved from our deliberate purpose. We cannot allow time to get us off track. We cannot allow opposition to get, us, to get us off track. But we gotta be so focused and so determined to finish our course that no matter what comes our way, we will not allow ourselves to get off track. We gotta be unswerved by even the greatest trials. The Amplified Bible in, uh, that same, in that same verse in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it uses the word, uh, it says, well, I'll just start from the beginning. It says, therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance. Sometimes you are your own opposition. 
Sometimes we have things in our lives that slow us down. And so we got to get rid of, we got to throw those things aside. Unnecessary weight and sin, which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to us and entangles us. So here's what we have to do. And let us run with patient endurance. Here it is. And steady and active persistence. The appointed course of the race that is set before us. So we got to keep going. It says steady. That means you can't keep stopping and starting. That means you got to keep going. Persistence. That means if you do get off track, get back on. And here's why. Because we have an example. And verse 2, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who was the leader and source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief and it and is also its finisher bringing it to maturity and perfection look at this he for the joy of obtaining the prize y'all remember that prize right y'all remember that reward right that was set before him what did he do he endured the cross despising and ignoring the shame and now he has his reward right and so we have to get to the point where, like the Bible says, where it said that how the light and momentary afflictions, they don't even compare to the glory that's going to be revealed. And so when we see these trials and we see these tests, we got to look at them in comparison to the glory that God is getting us to. So we got to do like Jesus did. And Jesus was able to go through all that he went through because he valued the prize more than he valued his comfort. He valued the prize more than he valued the convenience. See, we got to value the eternal prize. We got to place the value in the right place. Because we're valuing the things of this earth over the, the way that we value the things of the, of the spirit. So we got to begin to value that prize enough to where we will be willing to endure whatever it is that we have to face. Okay. Last point. Last point. It never takes me long, does it? Last point is we must discipline your flesh. We got to discipline the flesh. <laughs> I know, right? So if we go back to our main text and um, we're going to look at the, the passion first. So 1 Corinthians 9. Um, 1 Corinthians 9, I think this is verse 25. It says, a true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, practicing constant self-control in order to win a laurel wreath that quick, quickly withers. But we run our race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. Verse 26, for that reason, I don't run just for exercise or box like one throwing aimless punches. 
Verse 27, but I train like a champion athlete. I subdue my body and get it under my control so that after preaching the good news to others, I myself won't be disqualified. Let's look at Amplified, the Amplified Bible. Uh, this is verse 27. It says, but like a boxer, I buffet my body. Listen to this. Handle it roughly. Discipline it by hardships and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved, and rejected as a counterfeit. So we have to make sure that we do not allow our flesh. See, now that, that stuff that you experience in your life, it didn't disqualify you from being used by God. But not disciplining your flesh. That will disqualify you from being used by God. Esau. Esau was firstborn. He was entitled to the blessing. He was entitled to the birthright, but he could not discipline his flesh. And he disqualified himself from what God, what he was supposed to have by birthright. Oh, man, there are some things that we are supposed to have by birthright, y'all. There are some things that we have access to by virtue of us being children of God. But if we can't get our flesh under control, we will never manifest those things. Saul, King Saul, disqualified because of people pleasing, disqualified from being king, rejected by God. Who else? Who else? I didn't even think about it, but Eli, disqualified. He was the priest. And now God had to raise up a priest from a whole different lineage because him and his sons couldn't get it together. Because he wouldn't just, and that's the other thing. Either you can allow some, if you discipline yourself, nobody else will have to discipline you. If you discipline yourself, you don't have to worry about anybody else disciplining you. Who? The Israelites. God said, listen, I have a land for you. I got a land for you. I'm going to get you out of bondage, and I'm going to bring you to this good land. But what happened? Disqualified. Disqualified. I know we don't like, we don't, we don't want to hear this. We don't want to hear this. Y'all, we got to make sure that, and I heard Pastor Kim say this because I was listening, I listened to your message today. You said, that we need to make sure that our lifestyle is matching up with what we say we want. You said that. Because we can, we can talk a real good game about what God is going to do and what is going and this. and We can talk a real good game. But does your character... Does your integrity, does your lifestyle 
have the capacity to handle that if God were to do it tomorrow. God doesn't have a problem fulfilling his end of the bargain. But we have to have the capacity to handle what we say we want. Is this too heavy, y'all? Okay. Because, listen, if you're in this house, if you're connected to this ministry, there is something great that God wants to do in you, for you, and through you. But we have to grow up in order to be able to receive what God wants us to do. So we got to get our flesh under subjection. If we say we want the revival, well, do, does our prayer life, does our fasting life, does our word life match that? Huh. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm challenging myself too. Because we have to get to the point where we stop allowing our flesh to dictate how we live and run our lives. And everything you want to eat, that's what you eat. Every time you want to go to sleep, now you're going to sleep. Every time you want to spend money, now you're spending money with no discipline. The Bible says that the flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another. So you're going to be listening to one or the other. And nine times out of ten, until we grow up, the flesh is never going to want to do what the spirit is saying. So it's going to require discipline. We got to discipline ourselves. So the Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Discipline does not feel good. Discipline is not comfortable to your flesh. Waking up early to pray is not comfortable to your flesh. Eating vegetables and protein is not comfortable to your flesh. But it's going to produce something in your life. It's going to produce something in, in your life. And, and that thing that it produces, it has to be more important, more valuable to us than that little moment of comfort or that moment of pleasure. Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is required. This is a battleship, not a cruise ship. This is a marathon, not a 50-yard dash. So that means the training is different. There's a different kind of training that you have to go through if you want to run a marathon. There's a different type of lifestyle that you're going to have to live if you want to finish your course. See, listen, you don't have to do anything I said tonight. You don't have, you can, you can, what that scripture said, you can barely escape the flames if that's what you want. If that's what you want to do, 
if you if this is too much for you if you're not up for this challenge that's all right that's all right but don't look at me <laughs> don't look at my reward like how like how did you <laughs> the choice is yours The choice is yours. And since we're all sisters and brothers in Christ, receiving the same word, sitting under the same anointing, I would hope that you desire to finish your course and get your reward. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm done. I wish I had a cherry. I wish I had a cherry, but my notes are over. Praise the Lord. Oh, come on, give God some praise tonight. Come on, praise me tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Wow. I feel like we need a prayer line for everybody's toes. We're gonna lay, lay hands on some toes tonight. In Jesus' name, toes be healed. In Jesus name. Yeah. Toes got stepped on tonight. Praise the Lord. Ouch. Everybody just say ouch, ouch. Praise God. But what a reminder to us that um, God has called us. We got to respond to that call. And once we've responded to that call, now you gotta, we got to run this race, finish that course. Hallelujah. I mean, just going back to Samuel, Samuel faced a lot of challenges in his life too. Samuel had to, had to do some tough things. I mean, he, well, I, well, that was Nathan, but, but, but Samuel had to be the one to, to deal with Saul when Saul fell and God would say hey get over him hey I'm, I'm, I'm over I'm over Saul God said Saul fired <laughs> he dead to me exactly and uh, he had to keep walking that thing out you know God has God has called us every person in this room God has a calling on your life and our lives are more than Shoes and clothes and hats and cars and houses and it's way beyond this. I mean, you know, that's all nice stuff to have. We talk a lot about it, but that stuff, that stuff is, is, should be for us even a means to an end. A means to an end. That, that we're here to please God and serve God and bring him glory and you know, it was a songwriter who made this song, Just Want to Make It to Heaven. Just Want to Make It In. And that particular guy who sang that song, that's just exactly how he lives, too. His lifestyle looks just like what he said. Just want to make it in. And matter of fact, sometimes I'm not sure he wants to make it in. The kind of things that he does. 
How many of y'all you want to make it in? But you want to receive your reward in heaven too. That you want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the master's joy. Hallelujah. But we've got to really discipline our flesh. That's the, that's the hardest thing. Glory, the Bible says glorify God in your spirit and your flesh, which are, which are God's. They're, they belong to God. Your flesh belongs to God. And our, Barbara said that our flesh, you don't want to fast, you don't want to pray, you don't want to read the scripture. You don't do anything. Anything. But when we do it, when we do it, I, I've told you before, there's a guy in the NBA, I didn't have a lot of respect for him early on, LeBron James. I just had no respect. I just, you know, it was, I thought it's not a nose kid coming to the league and get all this attention and everything. And, you know, Kobe Bryant, those guys, they come in out of high school, get all, making all that money. Part of probably just jealous. But they come in and make all that money and stuff. You know, it's not in those kids. But when you, I started seeing those, these, those guys' training regimens, how hard they worked. They got my respect. They would discipline their bodies to win the prize. And they've won prizes. You know, Tom Brady, seven championships now, I think it is. See? So there are prizes for us that God wants us to, to, to win, but we've got to bring our bodies in this projection. Why don't you give Jonathan and Barbara another hand tonight? <laughs> give God praise for the word that they minister to us. Come on, let them know we appreciate that. We appreciate that. Thank God for so many people who are uh, apt to teach. Praise God. Father, tonight, thank you for the messengers that we have received and the messengers, we speak blessing and prosperity over them, strength into their lives, Father, in their bodies. Father, thank you that they've, they've availed themselves to hear you and speak to us, Lord, the secrets that you reveal to them, the words that you've given them. We receive these words. God, we're, we're going to respond properly as you call us into this great uh, uh, ministries. You've called us into service. We respond properly. And God, we're going to finish that course that you set before us. Thank you, Father. That we don't, we don't have to try to figure anything out, but just walk and endure with patience, oh God. God, to, to finish and, and finish well, finish strong. Thank you, Father, that even those times we may feel uh, tired or weary, God, your, your joy is our strength. You're able to help us to get through it. And, and to continue to fight on and to finish, to be steadfast, to be unmovable, to always abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor in you is not in vain. So thank you, Father. We just thank you, Lord, that God, as we continue to do this, you'll be glorified in this earth. And that, God, you'll bring multitudes of people into the kingdom of God, even by the works of our hands, even by the things that you call us to do, Father, that many will be saved and delivered and healed and set free because we, we respond properly to the call and we finish our courses. Thank you, Father, that not one of us will die without finishing our courses. Not one of us will die without, Lord, keeping the faith and, Lord, doing everything that you've called us to do, oh God. Thank you for the time to do it. Thank you even for somebody, God, who may be starting late. Starting late, God. But Lord, there's still plenty of time for us to finish what you've given us to do. That we're able to redeem the time. God, bless us, each and every one, to accomplish your purpose, your plan on the earth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Give God a praise again today.